there's a lot of capital chasing these founders. And so when we come across them, we want to make sure to give them what they need to build a great business. And if that's $17 million, that's $17 million. My grandma will still, you know, blink twice. <laughs> I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This week on Sand Hill Road, Lottie Siniscalco, newly promoted partner at Emergence Capital. So my actual full name is Carlotta Maria Delaide Siniscalco. That's my real name. But um, let's say that it's not very American-friendly, so I have adopted a nickname to make it easier for everybody to address me. Lottie, as you might have guessed, is from Italy. And uh, to this day, my family still lives in the same big house in Milan. Um, They have no idea what venture capital is. Uh, They are baffled at at, at what I do, and um, they still ask me when I'm coming back. It's been 17 (laughs) years that I've lived in the United States. Looking back over our past episodes, we've made several trips to Emergence Capital, talking to partners Kevin Spain. You know, these businesses increasingly are raising uh, larger, later stage private financings. Santi Subotovsky. And the fact that people love the technology was all we needed to make that investment. And Jake Saper. The whole idea is like, what are you strong at? Where can I compliment you? And now, okay, now it's time for me to step up and do my thing but never a female partner because up until now, Emergence had no women at that level. Siniscalco is the first. First of all, it's kind of hard to believe. I mean, I know uh, a lot of the folks at Emergence, they're progressive people, or am I, have I been wrong? Have they, have they fooled me this whole time? They have not fooled you. They have not fooled you. So I think this really goes back to the way we think about hiring and the way we think about promoting. Um, everyone, so we have six partners at Emergence today. I'm one of the six and, uh, five of the six started off as associates and the sixth is a founding GP. So in order to make it to partner, you kind of have to, again, come from within. Because Emergence doesn't hire from outside. Yeah. And so the, 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 the way you know, to, to really get more people, more women in the partnership is to get more women to start off as associates of principles, which I can tell you we're doing a lot of work right now on that. Um, but it's just a lot of small numbers in a way. So uh, I, I can tell you with, like, I feel very strongly that this is a place that really 
allows women to thrive. To give you a sense, I got pregnant four months into my job here. I'm pregnant again now. I feel incredibly supported by my team. My family is very close to everybody on, you know, on the partnership and beyond. And so it's really just a matter of being super disciplined in, we, in, in, in how we expand the team. And, and I am excited at the idea of having a lot more women on the partnership one day. So now that you're a, a partner, what does that allow you to do? In practice, that allows me to bring entrepreneurs in front of my, of my investment committee without requiring approval. So it allows me to trust my gut a little bit more. And, and you know, ultimately, we still make decisions as a team. So none of us is a lone wolf that can make decisions on our own. But I, I got the trust of my, of my partners so much so that they will take an hour of their time to listen to a pitch of an entrepreneur that I think has a shot at becoming someone that we partner with. You brought up your pregnancy. This is something also that you had pinned to your Twitter. I was astonished that you were astonished. I mean, I realize the the, the listener doesn't know the story yet. Yeah. Uh, if you're okay with talking about it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but uh, the, the bottom line is you were so astonished by your all-male co-workers uh, rallying with you. Um, and to some degree, that made me sad. You know that that you were astonished, but if if that's a story you're comfortable telling, I'd like to hear it. I would love to tell that story, uh, Scott. So um, the story, and and you can go on my Twitter to to see the the series of 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 tweets that I wrote about it. But the long story short is that when I was roughly actually three months into my job, I got pregnant, and then I had a miscarriage, which is something that's ex- ex- extremely common for women. Women don't talk. I mean, people don't talk a lot about it. It makes people feel uncomfortable. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to go through. And what happened to me was that I had a complicated miscarriage that forced me to go to the hospital for, for a day. And therefore I had to miss a day of work and, and it was a Friday. And so when I got back, got back to, to work on Monday, my partners were like, Oh, Hey, well, are you okay? We heard you were sick on Friday. And kind of in, in the heat of the moment, I'm, I, I wasn't sure how, whether it was okay to share that news with them. I said, yeah, I, you know, I had a miscarriage and I'm, I'm recovering. And, and I got a really overwhelming and touching amount of support. And this is an all male partnership. Um, and, and the reason that I was overwhelmed by it. So there's a couple, the first is it's so hard to break into venture and it's so hard to break into venture as a woman and as an immigrant who has no connections whatsoever to, to the VC world, that I was afraid that sharing that I was trying to get pregnant so quickly after getting my job would convey the message that I wasn't committed, that I was not going to work hard enough. And, you know, this is not because of what emergence made me believe, but it's because of what in a way, my experience up until that day made me believe, which was in other firms and in, in other systems, in more traditional systems where there aren't a lot of women at the top with kids. So I was really nervous about that. Um, and, and in a way, my superpower had always been to work harder than anybody else. 
and to be more intense than anybody else. And there was almost this tension between how can I continue to do that and also be a mom. And that's that's a process that Emergence deeply supported me through. And frankly, I'm still going through it right now as I'm I'm becoming a partner. And actually, I got my news that I got the promotion two days after realizing I was pregnant. So. Congratulations on both. Yeah. So. You, you, you are very comfortable uh, talking about, you know, women in venture. And, and I think most women are. I will tell you that sometimes I'm uncomfortable, not by the subject, but I'm, I'm well aware when Jake Saper, who works in your office and I talked, or Santi Suvatovsky, at no time do we talk about being men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this idea of women in venture is an important subject to, to discuss. On the other hand, I generally only discuss it with women. Women. What's your, and, and I'll give you an, I'll give you an example of that. I was talking with Mary Donafrio of Bessemer, who had become a partner at a very young age. I want to say mm-hmm. 29. And it was just, it was astonishing how well she had done. And I think I even said to her, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm patronizing, um, because it wasn't, uh, but it, at the time it felt as if here, let me just play that part of the interview with Mary D'Onofrio. So I don't want to be in, I don't want to sound in any way patronizing, but you've done all this under the age of 30. I mean, I realize you have an MBA from Yale. I mean, you are well qualified to be doing this, but that's a hell of an accomplishment. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. I don't even know how I did that sound patronizing while explaining I was trying not to be patronizing. I was just so happy for her mm-hmm. uh, with her accomplishment. And I think some people thought it was being patronizing in a mm-hmm. way that it, it wasn't. I wasn't trying to. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into that trap of being, uh, you know, the older, the older middle-aged man. Uh, you know, good on you. Yeah. I think it was a genuine compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Um, so to me, this comes down to venture. There's a standard of, or there's a perceived standard of what success in venture looks like. And when you are a young woman coming up, you're kind of coming up against the standard because you look up at the stage of who's speaking at all these big events and you look, you read the books of who are these legendary, legendary venture capitalists. And there's really a very small group of women in it. So the reason I like to talk about it is that I like to make it more normal for women to see themselves as successful venture capitalists. Because if you go on Twitter the, the, there's a lot more male voices than female voices. And as a result, as a, from the point of view of a really, really young woman starting off, maybe being 21, 22 and deciding, hey, is, this, is VC a career for me or not? If you don't see representation at the top, you'll think, oh man, I, I really have to go against the current. I'll need to be, I'll need to work so hard because there's so many stereotypes I'll have to break and hoops that I have to jump through. And, and my hope is that, you, you said it right, my hope is that one day we don't have to talk about it. Hey, like a, a young woman making partner is no longer big news. It's just like, oh, a young person making partner is a big news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. As partner, one of Siniscalco's first investments was $17 million Series A in a company called Talent Hack. What did you see in that company? What does it do and what got you excited? Yes. So, so Talent Hack is a company that allows um, this new group of that people are calling creators, think of them as independent workers, people who want to work for themselves, allows them to run a small business specifically around being a fitness fitness instructor. Um, what I saw in it, the real answer to that is that I saw a founder that I thought was a one in a million. And the reason for that is that she has an incredible magnetic energy that allows her to attract very high caliber people on her team. She makes her a very effective saleswoman um, and a very effective fundraiser. And so in the context of um, being an effective leader, those are qualities that I really look up to. I also think this is a market that's going to grow tremendously. We've seen a lot of... Sh the way people work has shifted. What people are attracted to in terms of working opportunities has shifted. And this group, again, that we can call independent workers, creators, um, has grown very meaningfully in the, last, in the past few years. And in fact... I hope that this is not my last investment in the space. So we're talking about things like coaches and trainers and dance teachers and instructors who are able to use software to create scheduling and billing and those sorts of things. Exactly. That's what Talent Hack does. Yes. Um, in a, you know, and but when we talk about creators more broadly, there's a lot of other categories. Sure. Uh, you have, you know, consultants, you have um, people who uh, are digital creators uh, photographers, videographers. Uh, so it, it's, 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 you know, the, the, the size of the market is, is north of, you know, 40, 50 million people in the world today growing at double digits. Let me ask you a question. I think your family back in Italy would ask, and that is $17 million. You know, you'd, you create some software and I'm sure it's wonderful software and a great service. And I'm sure she's a great founder but $17 million? Yeah, I mean, this speaks to, one, where the markets 
are today, and especially when they were where they were, I think in in 2021. Obviously, there's been a correction since December, um, but finding great founders is difficult, <laughs> and there's a lot of capital chasing these founders. And so, when we come across them, we want to make sure to give them what they need to build a great business. And if that's 17 million dollars, that's 17 million dollars. My grandma will still, you know, blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you've written that operational issues for female founders, they they encounter a lot more challenges in hiring and funding and developing and maintaining a, a female-friendly culture. Talk to me about the, those sorts of challenges. Yeah. So again, to me, this, this goes back to what is considered the norm and what is considered the standard in tech. And how does that differ from the way a female founder, a female CEO might want to start her business? Um, so there's a little bit around what type of culture you want to build and uh, and getting people excited around the table so that um, you're not seeing as someone going against the current, but you're seeing as a thoughtful leader setting up the right structure from day zero. Um, on fundraising, there's all sort of biases that people have. And I, I really believe that very few people actually mean to have, very few people are trying to be biased. Most of us are biased, but in a subconscious way, in an unconscious way. Um, and, and when you are a woman founder and you're pitching, there's, there's some biases that you have to go up, up against. And I'll give you a few examples. Um, women tend to be asked a lot more about downside than upside, for example. There's mm. a lot of research on that. Um, women are typically described as less visionary than men are, even if they're literally reading the same script or less agreeable if they are a little bit more pushy in what they're saying. So there's all sort of nuances that need to be navigated by a woman to be perceived as effective as a man. And I'm very excited to coach and help women go through it. But th- honestly, to me, the coaching is to be done as much on the founder side as on the investor side. Because step one for, for me is becoming aware of what even my own biases are and helping my team be, become aware of what their own biases are. So we can actually be objective in the way we assess. To me, that's, that's baseline. You've said that it's the the best and the worst time to become a woman founder. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think COVID created a few interesting dynamics. Um, it's no secret that during COVID, a lot of the work, housework, childcare work, ended up being on the shoulders of of women. And to and that's that's in a way why um, it's probably it's it, it can be a very big burden to be, to have to carry a household, make sure your kids are sitting in front of Zoom and attending virtual preschool, and at the same time getting a, a company off the ground. Um, at the same time, I do think that there are a lot of a lot of um, trends and underlying. In, in, uh, like tectonic shifts in place that make it very like the perfect moment for for women to start. People are starting to pay attention. Our LPs 
the, the, the environment in, in general is starting to realize, hey, it, we can't continue to, to deny opportunities to women. And so if you are a woman founder today, there's an abundance of tools and networks and support available that was just not available before. I also think employees really care. So in this moment in life, in, 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 in the history of the world, where the, there's a lot of competition for talent in particular, whatever you can do to attract the best employees is a competitive advantage. And if today Gen Zs care a lot more about diversity than ever before, then if, if you have a diverse leadership, that's going to give you a leg up. And hey, like that is going to help you build a great company. So, so I really do think that these two things are true. I'm starting to believe more and more that it's the best time possible for a woman to start uh, becoming a founder. And I'm excited to find more and more women that do so. Lottie Siniscalco, partner at Emergence Capital. Lottie talked about bias and how men and women alike can be subconsciously biased against women, even when all other metrics are equal. Stanford professor Francis Flynn ran an experiment in which students were presented with two identical resumes, one belonging to a woman named Heidi, the other belonging to a man named Howard. And it uh, turned out that they deemed both Howard and Heidi were equally competent, but they liked Howard a lot better. So rather a fascinating result. It makes me want to change my name to Howard. Heidi Roizen of Threshold Ventures and I talk about that experiment in a 2019 episode of Sand Hill Road. I encourage you to look back in our library, find it, and give it a listen. It's a good one. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.